Hey, uh, it's John. Hi, how are you? Uh, a quick note before the show starts. This is a long one. Now, as you already know, this episode highlights a much less traditional sort of performing art that you might not see too often out here in Japan. And even after listening to this interview with Daniel and Sari, who are our guest puppeteers, three or four times, which, uh, looking at the clock, it's basically 5 a.m., uh, I believe that the rarity that shadow puppetry and the other forms of puppetry they engage in well deserves some extended playtime. And not only that, we also want to get you a glimpse of the mind behind the show Free at Last, Life Beyond the River, uh, which begins its run as of about 12 hours from when I'm recording this. So strap in. And as always, thank you for listening. This is Exit, pursued by Kaiju, a still relatively new podcast about international theater in Japan. I am your host, John Matthews. When you say relatively new, I mean, we could say that forever because, I mean, say compared to the pyramids at Giza, we're relatively my, new. My impression, my cutoff is the Meiji Restoration. Right. And what year was that, John? That was 1868, Andrew. And that is a joke that is not even going to pay off in this episode. It will not. You have to wait two weeks to pay that joke off if that's how you do jokes. Yeah, we'll get we'll get back to that in a second. I'm I am Andrew. Um, I didn't do my introduction because I wanted to be a smart ass. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm the co-host and John is the host. So it is. This is episode five. Oh, my God. We have a number that's a prime number again, which only took us two more episodes to get to. It is the first of June. 2016 uh we have a lot to get uh out the door before we talk about our uh guests for this episode the first thing to talk about is something coming up very soon so go ahead and open up your internet browsers or something else or get a pigeon and tell that pigeon to go look up nerd night n-i-t-e not n-i-g-h-t it is a big slash new slash not really big event happening this friday june 3rd at bar gardi gardi which has somehow become like a regular place of mine i don't know how this has happened yeah well i mean the thing about bar gardi gardi it's, it's it's a nice little place where the cost of failure is low if five people come out to the event we don't lose so much money at bar gardi gardi but it, it will be more than five people we've already got a lot of bookings for this for this event and the owner um, tommy he goes by tommy tommy yeah is pretty awesome so and he, he makes strong awesome. drinks and strong drinks are always a really good thing uh but he, what you, you told them they should look up nerd night n-i-t-e what they should look up is nerd night tokyo yes um which will take them either to uh the ytg page that has an article about it mm -hmm. on right on the front right now or it'll take them to the facebook group or the facebook event that's posted for the for this june shirt third show yes june shirt Turd and on June at Ikinoe Station. Bargargari is in fact at Ikinoe Station on the Keio Inagashira line right before Shimokita Zawa, I do believe. Uh begins at 7 30 p.m. is running till ostensibly 10 10 30. Right, well, it'll go later. It'll go like people can stay later. I think the 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 event itself will end at a, like the the speakers will end at 10. I should actually explain what it's about. Uh, Nerd Night is like, I think they describe it on the main website, because this is a global franchise. Uh, they describe it as the Discovery Channel plus beer. 
And the idea is that experts come and they give uh, short talks, 18 to 20 minute talks about something they're an expert on. And then you can drink. And there's also like a 10 minute Q&A at the end. So it's also like a boozy TED Talks for people who aren't multimillionaires. 1,500 yen to get in includes a free drink. Uh, we will be there. Andrew and I will be there. Come say yep. hey. Uh, the event actually being is organized by a fine person named Amanda with the assistance of Andrew and very minorly with my assistance in terms of video stuff. Come say hello and do stuff. Just really briefly, I want to mention who the speakers are this time because mm-hmm. it's I, I'm not I actually won't mention who the speakers are. I'm just going to mention the topics because I actually don't have this thing in front of me. Um, we've got a we've got a piece on lasers and a piece on uh, like a talk on lasers and a talk on. Oh, it just changed. It just changed today. We just swapped. Uh, Getting to artificial Tokyo. intelligence. Ah, yes. AI, artificial intelligence. One. One. And then the last one is. Uh, was, uh, I forget the title of it, but it's it, it it's about like getting to Tokyo via sword and axe. No, it's I think it's getting getting around Tokyo with a sword and an axe, and it's about Western martial arts. Surprisingly um, so it's the, easy, it's, by the way. It's the non uh, it's the uh, it's the non sciencey science piece of the evening because mm. Nerd Night originally was a science event, and then they they've changed it so you know you can have someone speaking about something humanities or philosophy or something like that. It's not limited to to science. So it's nice to actually get that right in the first one to get get something that's not hard science. And he says he's bringing videos, so we're going to get to see you know demos of I guess using axes and swords. I hope, um, and it sounds really exciting. So the the speakers themselves will probably be done around ten or ten thirty. The event will go on for like another half hour or so. People can stay and drink and chat, um, maybe an hour. It'll sort of depend on what how the bar feels about it, and then uh, go home. So you can you can you know if you have to get your last train at you know, 1030 or whatever, you'll be able to do it. Uh, if you can hang around longer and have fun, that'll work too. You can, uh, so we should talk about the cost. It's uh, 1,500 yen, which includes a free drink and uh, YTG member level patri- patrons on Patreon. Uh, they come in, they, you, you guys get in for free. And uh, by yeah. the way, that's patreon.com slash YTG. Mm-hmm. Yeah, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash we're gonna have it spilled at the end of the episode anyway come on man come on yeah no we're gonna have it at the end uh and you can find the details about nerd night at ytg.jp the shortest url of any of the theater groups in texas i'm I'm quite i was i was fairly impressed with that yes we had to actually make the facebook page longer because you can't have a three-letter facebook yeah it took you know it took a long time for me to get that domain i waited on that one so go to ytg go to ytg that's short for yokohama theater group the group that we are involved in and produce this show in association with comma uh go check it out get information register sign up and this is happening in two days by the way it's well, it'll be one day by the recording when this the, intro. When this it's like 11 p.m. on Wednesday. This thing is happening at 7:30 p.m. on Friday. Get in, get on, and do whatever else. Yeah. Before we get any further, yeah, go on, um, go on, go on. Go if on. I could, I'd like to mention. I'd men- like to mention the upcoming show, uh, Free at Last, because that's also opening. Actually, opens June 2nd, Thursday. so the day the show drops. The day, kind um, of, but not really. Kind of, kind of. Uh, so uh, yeah, so June 2nd, and uh, it's running from June 2nd to June 5th, but last week I sat down for a full length solo interview with the director and producer, Wendell T. Harrison. Uh, and we talked about him. We talked about making theater in Japan and a bunch of other stuff, but we're not going to feature the full interview today, but I think we can maybe give you some highlights from it in which yeah. he talks about the show. Let's, let's do that. Let's do that. The show's yeah. coming up really soon. We may as well, we, we should pop in a little bit just to say, Hey yeah. guys. 
if you want to come see Pre at Last, which by the way, there's still some reservations available for Saturday evening, I believe. Thursday, um, Friday, and Saturday, yeah. as far as I know. Uh, Sunday is sold Sunday out. Sunday is sold out. Yeah, Sunday is entirely sold out. It's waiting list um, only. But, but, you know, there's a, the, so to- Tokyo Theater's Secret, at least this is how it's worked so far. I don't make any promises, but if you show up on the day to a sold out show, someone will usually find a way of getting you in. Yeah. You might have to stand, but you, they'll, people want you to see the show. Now, now that I said that, if 30 people show up, but we don't want 30 people listening, so it'll be okay. Um, so, but that, that, that could change if, if, if theater audiences increase, but the way they are now. So in the interest um, of time, in the interest of time, I'm going to cut this interview in, uh, give you a little bit of a slice of what Andrew and Wendell talked about. Um, so right, yeah, before, gonna, yeah, before you do that what, though, what, what, huh? the one, no, there's one other thing I need to say, which Go is on. free at last is kind of a companion piece to the recent production of big river. Right. All right. Now you can cut That's important. And it opens June 2nd. Go. Um, the director of TIP's musical Big River, Hannah Grace, and her assistant director, Amber Richardson, uh, first proposed the idea. Uh, they, working on their show, they found this collection of narratives that were written from interviews from former slaves. And they wanted to use this to give voice to some of the characters in their show, uh, but didn't, didn't know exactly how to do that. And so, um, you know, they kind of proposed this to me and thought it might be something that our theater company, Tokyo Artistic Theater Ensemble, might want to present. And um, lo and behold, it, I, I found it interesting. It, it presented a different point of view about slavery than I was used to. Um, well, how, what do you mean by that? Give me like an example, maybe. Sure. Well, of course, we know the very generic slavery is bad. And of course it is. It's terrible. But reading the interviews from the former slaves who were children at the end of the war, for a lot of them, that life was very easy, simple. Uh, they had a house, they had food, like they had fun on the weekend sometimes, depending on where they lived. So some of the interviews came off as positive. And that was quite a surprise for me because I, I would never think anyone would say, slavery's fun, yay. Um, <clears throat> so for me as an American, I, I wanted to be able to Talk about that kind of, uh, I see it as a form of brainwashing, where you, you can't see the outside world because you're only in this bubble. And I wanted to make that relatable to people here in Japan. Uh, not that I would ever call anyone here a slave, but at the same time, you do get into that bubble where this is fun. I work all day. I do this thing and there's nothing else outside of this. So that's how I try to relate it to my life here. It's not really over. Um, but you're right. We, we don't own people anymore, but you still get into that mentality where you are not free yeah. and you don't feel free. And our, our main protagonist goes through this mental process of what does freedom mean? That's all I'll say about that. That is just one element of the story that we're telling. And I think for Americans like myself who are coming to see the show, that will be that little bit of, oh, surprise. I didn't know that. You know, but for the most part, we're trying to tell the story to educate our Japanese audience about this part of American history that really gets glossed over. And it's understandable. You know, I would never get mad at someone for not knowing about American slavery. And they're like, oh, well, do you know who Miyamoto Musashi is? Like, who? What? For me, I'm actually I'm really looking forward to seeing it because, uh, you know, Big River was a lot of fun. But for me and, and this is probably true of the book as well. 
but I, the book was read to me when I was like six or seven. Mm-hmm. And the book, I think, has a very strong anti-slavery message, but oh, it definitely. but it ends, it, it, and it, because of when it's set, it can't end with a, a satisfying resolution. The resolution is deus ex machina. And I you know, spoilers here for a book that's more than 100 years old or 120 years old, 130 years old? I think it was written in the 1880s. Um, basically, Jim gets freed because somebody dies and frees him. Yeah, right, right, right. And what, what's really great is, I mean, you, you see those characters on stage. You see the actors have some presence. And you're, what are they thinking? What's going on while this is happening? And so, in a way, it's our companion show because now that you've seen a lot of these actors and six of the people who were in Big River are in this production, now they have a little life, a little expression. You can kind of hear what it was like for them in the background, um, you know, other than just the music that they sang. Which is beautiful. So how is it how how is it presented without you know giving too much away? Anything that I don't give away anything important, but how 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 is this presented? Is it people in chairs with music stands or is it staged or it's fully staged. And okay. um let me just say to you the, the cast who was in Big River, thank you so much for learning all these monologues. Uh it, it's it's a series of monologues, uh with a few exceptions. Um that I, I, I wanna say is timeless. So were these were these interviews when they were recorded? Were they recorded by hand or were they recorded by machine? And what did you have access to when you were preparing? I assume that they were done by hand and then typed because all of the materials that we have were done on a typewriter. So um, I'm assuming they went back and did it. And there's some of them that are very evident that they're telling the story. Mm-hmm. Some of them are actual quotes, but then the others, the author kind of took a little leeway and 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 created a story for right. the, the speaker. So I'm, I'm assuming those are cases where they were much older. We're trying to do it as, as close to as what's actually written down. And most of them actually did write with the dialect intact. And just one last time, can you give us the, do you have the dates times of Free at Last, just so we have them in your voice? Yes, I do. Free at last, Life Beyond the River runs from June 2nd to 5th, 2016 in Ogikabo at the Ogikabo Show Gekijo. Uh, tickets can be found at www.tokyoarts.org as well as www.tokyoplayers.org. If you liked what you heard, I guess check out our next episode for the full interview with Wendell that I did. And, and if you don't like it, you could probably skip the next episode. That'll be most of the app. Probably. Indeed. Yes. Speaking of apps, uh, we got big plans. Uh, we've actually spoken to a fine gentleman from the uh, from Tokyo Theater community called uh, Mike Kennert, otherwise known as Mike Kennert, which is a joke that I'm stealing from a previous take of this intro that we did two weeks ago with Andrew. Uh, but Mike has graciously allowed us to uh, have a look at Tokyo Stage, a central uh, central, central, central hub for information about Tokyo Theater. So we're going to be, be working on that, improving that, making uh, making exit, we hope, in the near future, a massive hub for information about all theater in Tokyo, uh, not just the one or two shows that we promote uh, on the show, that we talk about on the show, but everything else that happens here in and around Tokyo, as well as Yokohama, this fine city. Also, speaking of theater, oh yeah. sorry, no, 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 you got something. I was to say, speaking of theater, I went to see Doo Boy uh, last weekend, and you might remember when Doo Boy. What's that? If you listened to the last episode, you will know because we interviewed uh, Stefan, uh, who is the creator of Doo Boy. We interviewed him on the last show, and I actually went to see it. 
John was a lazy bum doing like work or something. Excuse uh, me, princess. So he missed it. Uh, and he missed one of the best shows like all year in Tokyo. Yeah, you, as far as you, I, as you don't, you don't, you don't glow like that after shows. You don't. I don't know what happened there. Um. Yeah. No. It. It was. It was a good show. It. Uh, I mean, without, without rehashing too much, because this isn't a review show. Uh, the piece really puts uh puts the audience through the emotional gamut. Uh, one second you're laughing, the next minute you're like, "Oh, that's terrible," and then sometimes you're angry. And you know, he's it. It's about him. It's about him. He's telling a story about himself. And sometimes he's likable, and sometimes he's not. Uh, most of the time he's likable. <laughs> Otherwise, it'd be a really hard show to watch. Uh, but well, given that but you, yeah, can't divorce, and, and, you can't divorce the fact that the person is an autobiographical show, which means that it's him. Therefore, if he's not likable, yeah. he, the actual person you are looking at, not the character he is portraying, is the unlikable person. So, yeah, that's a hard line to a hard line to cross. Yeah. I'm guessing if he's being too unlikable. I, but what what really makes this work is that you know it's a it's a one man show. It's autobiographical. It's very honest storytelling, and I don't mean that by like it's factually honest. I don't know. I like, he could be making it all up for all I know, but it for it it feels it feels honest. It comes from the heart, um, and it clearly when especially it was one thing about seeing it in the pink cow. Which is not a theater venue, but we are you're so close to the, I was so close to the stage um, that you, you just get you get so much from that. And he was giving a lot for the audience to get. Um, I almost wish we'd interviewed him after seeing the show because we could have we could have asked him so many so many more things. Um, but I just want I just want to also add that you know he's a. He, Stefan wasn't originally planning to, as he told us last last episode, he wasn't planning to originally be in it, but but eventually he 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 decided he would he would be the actor in the piece. So he's not a he's not like a professionally trained actor, but he was he was his this play was performed with a precision that would make a professional proud. I've seen a lot of one person shows uh that's sort of like this when you do fringe tours and stuff, that's kind of like the standard thing. I mean, I've done a one person show. And I don't think, I don't think mine was performed with precision. I mean, part of that is that he's done it so much, but part of that is just, it's also, it's, it's very well directed. It's very cleanly written. Uh, it's very, it's 90 minutes, but it's a compact 90 minutes. Also had a Broadway run. So yes, yeah, um, it was so pretty fantastic. Other speaking of stuff you're working on, what's going what else is going on with you? To quickly speaking catch of stuff the, I was working. I was speaking, speaking of stuff, stuff I was working on. You worked on. You worked on a, a solo show. Come on, man. Uh, oh right. Support. Uh, support me. Yeah, you're working so hard to make these segues. Um, right. So the uh the next show that we're doing is Touch Me Not. We're still plugging away at that. Uh, we've set the show dates. So the show is going to go up September 18th and 19th in Kawasaki at the World Peace Theater. So we'll have more details for you, uh, for you on that as it materializes. We don't have the exact times yet because um we're going to be alternating performances with another show during the course of those two days and a lot's going to depend on how, what show that is and how long it is we don't have that we don't have that group decided on yet uh it depends on a variety of factors so uh but you know september 18th and 19th keep those days one of those days free in your calendar to come see it uh uh, we, I did, I think I've mentioned before, we were talking about doing a Tokyo show around that time or maybe into October, but that's actually been delayed until February because we've had trouble finding a venue uh, in yeah. the fall. Yeah. Uh, that's that's sort of 
that's the right size because it was a sort of a minimum stage size we need for not big but there's a minimum size we need and a minimum height we need because i you know there's some st people stand on things in the show and if the <laughs> if the grid is only two and a half meters i'm going to be bumping my head uh and and also to coincide with a possible tour to manila and possible tour to taipei around the same time we're looking into that you so that's what's happening with you touch love me your taipei right tours now. man well, Taipei is close, and um, I've 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 made some theater friends there now, and it's uh, I think this show I think this show could do really well there. While we're talking about Touch Me Not, let's let's roll over to the next topic, which is volunteer opportunities that are coming up that we know of. Um, you know, if any of you have just come off of working, say, on Big River, and you're all like, "Oh, I'm all gung ho to volunteer doing theater." Uh, a couple which things. Sounds, One, which sounds, by the way, way more than this. I'm all gung ho for theater. That was pretty good. Come on. No, that was, that was pretty shit, actually. Mm. Um, <laughs> Joe, I, 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 it was, you know, your heart was in it, but uh, yeah. Um, so we're looking for a stage manager for Touch Me Not. Uh, and I, I think I said this last episode as well. Maybe I didn't. Uh, we need someone who's available during the daytime on weekdays to be in rehearsal. Uh, we don't need someone who has vast experience doing this. This is really just to handle a lot of the in rehearsal stuff and a lot of the communication between uh, the director and the performers who are in the rehearsal and our crew who don't, who aren't in rehearsal because they work daytimes and just coordinating that kind of stuff. So we need someone who's interested in doing that. If that's you, uh, get in touch with us. Uh, Doing, using using the website to get in touch with us is probably the easiest thing, ytg.jp. Um, there's a contact form there that you can use. Uh, another YTG thing, this is a bigger volunteer opportunity. We're looking for multiple people. We're doing a big, 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 big cleanup of our main venue, which is the whole, comp the, the whole Japan Dance School complex that includes the World Peace Theater where we do a lot of our performances. Um, we're doing a huge cleanout on Saturday, July 2nd. So if you're available on that day... Um, it should be kind of a fun, worky type of atmosphere. Uh, we had to sort through decades of hoarded equipment, costumes, set pieces, uh, mini discs. I saw mini discs there, <laughs> many, many, many discs, etc. Um, and OMDs. also to clean as we pull this, we as we pull this stuff out. Um, I will. The the thing is, though, there's there's possibly stuff. We're, what we're going to do is we're going to do the cleanup that day. And then probably in a couple, a couple weeks later, we're going to do sort of like a flea market where after we sort this stuff into like garbage, uh, giveaway, sell piles and keep piles. Hopefully that keep pile is small. Um, that I'm going to try to negotiate so that people who have volunteered for the clean out on July 2nd have first dibs on any giveaway or, or sale items. Um, examples like a, just like off the top of my head. Wreck. I've seen a bunch of like stereo receivers floating around. They've got like big PA systems in them. There's still like four or five like you know, personal size stereos or other things sort of floating around that there, there's no reason for them to have. So I, I should probably um, no notify everybody else that I have dibs on any boom boxes that happen. Just boom boxes. Yes. Yeah. I don't think it's that many decades of stuff. I've got, um, I've got 50 D batteries waiting to put in those suckers. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I mean, I don't guarantee that there'll be anything useful available. Uh, but it should be fun. Uh, we generally, if you've worked on a show doing crew, like load in clean, uh, load in or strike, it's going to be the same kind of atmosphere, sort of jokey atmosphere. We'll probably go out afterwards for drinks or whatever. Um, and, uh, yeah, 
we'll try to make it fun. Cool. I wish you the best of luck. Wait, when is it again? That is July 2nd. July 2nd. So I will not be there with you, unfortunately, but uh, I do wish you the very best of luck. So, uh, all that business aside, we actually have some guests to talk about today. Uh, Before that, quickly, if you haven't already, go and get registered and, well, don't register with iTunes if you don't want to, because, ugh. But if you are already on iTunes and or Stitcher, uh, get subscribed to our podcast. You can find us by searching the name of this podcast, which is a thing that I've already said a couple of times already. Leave us a review. Leave us a five-star review. Yeah, no, no. Just any review is fine at this point. No, no. Leave us a five-star. You don't... John, I don't know how... I mean, you've been in the podcast world. Basically, anything other than a five-star review is is completely useless because of how the ratings set up on on iTunes has been gamed. As much as this is true. As much um, as so even if you're true. not... It's not like the best podcast you've ever heard. Put a five-star review. Hey, put some criticism in there. We'll read it. We'll read it and we'll respond to I, it. I'll, I'll read it. I'll read it. He'll read I'll, it. And then I'll get Andrew to respond to it without knowing what the actual content is. And it'll be That'll hilarious. Be fun. Because it'll be really rude. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, and sweary. We, yes. So for this episode, we have two puppeteers, Daniel Wishes and Sidi Yanai, of the, and I'm going to try to get this right, Mochinosha and the Wishes Mystical Puppet Company. Co Limited, PLC, LLC, GMBH, PPT, some, some something else beyond that. Praise be upon him. <laughs> Peace be upon him. Peace be upon him. That's what, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Does that sound right, Daniel? Yeah. Yeah. S- sorry for it being long. I'm Daniel Wishes, and I am one of the puppeteers and creators in Mochinosha Puppet Company. Yes, I'm Sally Yanai, and I'm another puppeteer. The other one. There's only two of us. <laughs> yes. The other one. Show some respect for yourself. You are both the other one. We b- we uh, both consider so- ourselves to be the other one. Excellent. Uh, tell me about, tell me slash us slash everyone who is listening about Multinosha. Tell us about puppeteering and your work in Japan. Sure. Well, Sari and I met each other while studying puppetry at the London School of Puppetry in the UK. Canada and the U.S., puppetry is primarily just for children. I mean, there's a lot of people doing adult puppetry, but it's very difficult to get people to take it seriously. Um, But I guess in the U.K. and Europe, there's more of a tradition of puppetry for adults. So I thought it would be a good place to go. Yeah. So speaking of uh, adultery, (laughs) no, adult things, those are different words. Uh, speaking of adult things, what, how do you find running a puppet company in Japan then? Obviously, uh, I I haven't seen a lot of puppetry for adults in Japan, but also I haven't looked very much. What's, what's the appeal here? Are you able to make that appeal to an adult audience here in Japan? We're trying to, there's definitely some interest in it. It's Japan is hard as well, because again, people think of, uh, puppetry as being mostly for children in Japan as well. And most of the shows we do in Japan are for children, but we have had some success and some interest in doing adult shows here as well, which we're more excited because we love doing shows for children, but we find it a bit more artistically fulfilling to do more mature shows for adults. Yeah, we've done more shows in Canada and we just started doing shows in Japan last year. 
And uh, this year we did shows for adults, and uh, we got two hours. Yeah, we did a, uh, last year. We only did shows for children, so this is our first time doing any shows for adults in Japan this year, and we've done well so far. We we've gotten two little trophy things. Yeah. What what shows did you do? What what shows did you do for those festivals? Uh, well, we did debris in a festival in Nagoya. Yeah. And we won first prize, and then uh, we did the same show, debris in the sorry, what was the name of it? Ah, uh, Suginami Theater uh, Festival in Tokyo. Which yeah. which you which you came to, Andrew, and oh, okay. we won an outstanding achievement award trophy for that. Yeah. Oh wow! I didn't realize that was part of a festival. Yeah, it was. Oh, okay. I didn't realize it either. <laughs> I didn't tell that. <laughs> it, it was a very kind of lonely festival compared to the ones yeah, I'm used to in Canada. Not yeah. a lot of cross communication between the different companies. Yeah, but, but apparently thirty uh, theater companies participated in that festival. Wow. Were, the, were they? Were all of those companies puppetry? Or no, they're they... they're theater companies. We are the hmm. only one. We were the only company. puppetry company in the festival. Do you are there other puppet companies that you know of in Japan? Uh, more domestic, obviously you're a more international, uh, more multicultural group. But is there? Do you know of any domestic groups that do puppetry? Yeah, for adults, for adults, for adults. Oh, for adults. Mm. Um, yeah, they they are all they do shows for kids and adults both. They they can make money off of kids shows, but they. Wanna be a bit more artistic, so they once in a while do shows for adults. Like uh, the most famous private company called Hitomiza is in uh, Kawasaki in Kanaga Prefecture, and yeah. they do lots of shows for kids. But they recently did a uh, King Lear mm. in Yokohama nice. for adults. Yeah, there were there were still kids in the audience because people think well. It's a puppet show, so let's bring our kids. But it definitely was a more mature artistic show. That yeah. seemed aimed more at al- adults than kids. Huh. Yeah, that's interesting. Actually, I saw a show. I just, I just remembered. I wish I could remember the name of the damn thing. Um, I went to the Yokohama Boat Theater, which is oh. literally on a boat. Oh, and cool. It's well, it's a bit weird. They have to lead it. You have to meet the station and have someone lead you there because technically it's not legal. Uh, um, right. They could get in trouble. So it's like a secret locations. So you go down to this, like, sort of, you have to go through this fence and you go down to this pier and there's this boat there and you get on it mm-hmm. and okay, it's like a rusted out tub. It used to be like a party boat. So it's very deep. And so like the theater is like down in the bowels of this boat oh. and it's a bit nerve wracking because you see all the, like, the lights are with wires and everything's metal. And you're like, oh, oh, if something went wrong with this, I think we'd all get electric. I was I was sitting there sort of calculating, okay, how much power would it take to kill everybody in this room? Um, <laughs> and so everything's running off a diesel generator. And they of course, they turn off all the fans and stuff when the show starts. But uh, the reason I bring it up is because I just realized, I, I totally forgotten it was a puppet show in the sense oh. that the, the characters were kind of in, the, the actors were kind of in costume, but they had the, the, um, the characters were these sort of triangular shaped thing because they were it was a sort of J- old Japanese legend legendy story, and so they mm. created them by wrapping sort of in a triangular shape things to sort of represent kimono, and then of course the, the old court hats and stuff, and they all had handles on the back, so there were no there were I don't think there were any moving parts on the puppets, but they would incline them and stuff like that, and so they were 
they do everything through the puppets. Even sometimes the like the actors were wearing costumes to match, but everything happened through the puppets. Mm. Um, cool. And they had like you know other effects and stuff. And so it was. I didn't even think of it until just now that I was like, technically, I think that was a puppet show. Yeah. Um. And uh, I'll, I'll look it up after this, I think, mm. uh, so good. I can give you information. I don't know. It, they're not the Yokohama Boat Theater was just hosting them for one night. It was like a special free show before they oh. went on a tour of like all of Japan. Oh. Um, like they were all over the place. They were in cons. They were in like Okayama, and apparently this company is reasonably popular. So I will look them up by, and see if I can. Yeah. By boat. No, 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 yeah, I was, I was no. The boat. That too. Like, the boat that's was what separate. I thought you meant by boat. Yeah. No, no. They just did like the show in the boat theater that one uh, time. Ah, uh, okay. Um, I see. Yeah, it's the boat theater is a separately is a separately run venue, I believe. Yeah. Is what was Whereas, like the old man, the old man who ran it, like he's in his like late seventies. He came out at the beginning, was telling us, "Well, this is actually the third boat theater. The first one sank, and then we got a second one, and it sank." Uh. <laughs> um, and he said, "He said, but don't worry, it they generally sink so slowly. They generally sink so slowly that you can finish watching you'll the show. Be able to, you'll be able to get out before before there's any danger." Okay. Wow. Anyway, Slow sorry. Tub. Tangent. There's a there's a dedicated puppet theater that's on a boat in the UK uh, called the Puppet Barge, and they do shows and they sail up and down the Thames, going to different towns and doing puppet shows. Oh, cool. Maybe you both could speak a little bit about so why why you got interested in puppetry in the first place. I mean, because you know, let's say why puppetry versus being a TSA inspector. Hmm? Uh, you know, the like a uh, person who works at an airport who looks for drugs up people's ass. Oh, yeah, yeah. But anyway, but but it's a serious question still. Why did you choose? Why 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 puppetry? Why what got you interested in it in the first place? Well, I think we were both interested in theater first. We both came from theater backgrounds, and but we're not really actors. Um, we're but we like to have some control over the show. And puppetry is a really interesting form of theater because it has kind of an interesting version of authenticity that other types of theater don't have. Like when you watch a show with just normal human actors, uh, you know that they're, they're human beings, um, people, normal people playing these characters. When you watch a Macbeth, you know he's not really a Scottish. It's like a, a Scottish guy. It's going to be like just some guy who goes home at the end of the day and uh, drinks beers. But when you're watching a puppet, that puppet is the character. Like if you make a puppet of Macbeth, it's when it goes in the box or in the closet after the show, it's still Macbeth. It's never anything but that character. Yeah. And we like to control every aspect of the show. Like we like writing the story and controlling the performance and controlling the visuals and we like the visual nature of puppetry. Yeah, I really like uh, visual uh, stuff. In theater, like, I kind of like fantasy stuff. And in order to create a fantasy world, uh, using human actors are kind of a bit difficult. But for puppets, they can fly, like, they can change the shape, uh, they can do anything if you do it right. Our, our last two shows that we've, we've created is about a hippo that goes into outer space. And the story, uh, the story of the 
the show that you saw was the story of the the 2011 Japanese tsunami is told through the perspective of basketball, a fish, and a motorcycle, which would be really weird to do with human actors. Yes, that that would be quite challenging. Yeah. And luckily, puppets don't show up drunk to rehearsal, or not show up at all to rehearsal. So hey, that's some, right. sometimes they don't shut up, uh, show up if you uh, if you leave them by accident at home, and then you <laughs> get there and you're like, oh no. Yeah, our last uh, show, the one we just did in Japan, was about a basketball, a fish, and a motorcycle. They were the main characters. Yeah, they traveled through the Pacific Ocean, had a lot of adventures before reached uh, Canadian shores. The show is based off of a true story of how a lot of the items that people la uh, lost during the tsunami sort of ended up in the ocean, uh, drifted across uh, the ocean for two years and wound up on the shores of Canada. And the U.S. and Canadians and Americans found the objects, tried to identify them, find the owners, and return them to their owners in Japan. Which was, which was not an uncommon story. We're still hearing about small boats and debris washing up on the west coast of the U.S. Yeah, yeah. it's still Canada, it's still happening. Yeah. yeah. The fish in the story is based off of a real fish, and that fish is still alive in an aquarium in Portland on display for people to go visit. Yeah. Wow. Um, and that was that was just because uh, the audience doesn't know this, and I and John doesn't know this either. Um, that was that was Shadow Puppets. That show. Yes. Oh yes. What do you think about so? Because you you guys do everything right, not just shadow puppets. Yeah, we do. Uh, we lately we've been doing mostly shadow puppets because they're the most portable puppets for touring with, and adults seem to like shadow puppetry um, better than other forms of puppetry. It seems more mature to them, I guess. Somehow, it's not like associated with Sesame Street as much, I suppose. Right. <laughs> but we also do marionettes, uh, glove puppets, rod puppets, all different kinds. Yeah, Dan uh, can used I, can to, I yeah. go ahead. No, please, please go ahead. Uh, Dan used to do uh, glove puppet shows much more, and he has uh, how many? Like 30 characters or something? Uh, I, yeah, I have a lot. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how many. I started off just making glove puppets, but at some point I... that's Actually, that's one of the main reasons I went to that school, was I wanted to learn other forms of puppetry. Uh, marionette, I know, marionette, no, 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 glove puppets, no, no, no. Uh, shadow puppetry. What, at, until about 30 minutes before this recording happened, I had no idea that you actually did shadow puppetry. Oh. And I have no idea oh. what it is. Explain it to me, the layman. Well, shadow puppetry is one of the oldest forms of puppetry and also one of the oldest forms of theater. Um it's basically you have a light source. It could be a candle or a flashlight or a headlight. It could be anything. And you project images onto a screen using shadows, using your hands or using paper cutouts or using really elaborate things with gels in different colors. And a lot of people say that modern day cinema uh, evolved from shadow puppetry and animation evolved from shadow puppetry. So it's one of the oldest forms of art in the world. It goes back thousands and thousands and thousands of years. What advantages does shadow puppetry have over, say, uh, animation? I mean, if I was watching TV or Netflix and I had to choose between an animated movie and a uh, shadow puppetry thing, I might watch the animated movie because, you know. But for live performance, uh, 
you know, it's the, it's the same as the difference between watching a play with live actors and watching a movie. They're both good in their own ways, but when you watch a live show with live actors, there's a sense of immediacy. There's there's some room for improv and playing, and it's the same thing with shadow puppetry. It's you can see all the beauty of watching animation, but there's some some variables. There's some elements you can improvise things, you can ad lib, you can yeah. move the characters in real time. It's a live performance. And there can be some accident each time. On each time, the show is different. And um, yeah, it's、I、never the same. Sometimes we accidentally stick our hands into the frame, and you know, and we make fun of it. Yeah, <laughs> and that's a fascinating point for all theater, any theater kind, I think. Yeah, it's like you know, it's it's the same comparison to anything like live music versus recorded music. Yeah, or, but、know. sometimes they're like really elaborated or、uh, shadow puppet companies just doing. Like perfectly from the backside, and it's almost animation. And I think in that case, it's better to see animation. So for us, we prefer not to be. Yeah, one one of our things we decided at the beginning of the company is a lot of shadow puppetry is done in secret behind the screen where nobody can see how anything is done, and it's to me those shows are kind of boring because it's kind of just like watching. A cheesy animation. So that's why when we formed our company, we decided that every single one of our show would be done in front of the audience, so the audience can see us performing everything. So all of our tricks and secrets of how we make all the puppets and illusions are all revealed to the audience. It's kind of like you're getting two shows for the price of one. You can just watch the screen and be taken into a world of fantasy, or you can watch what we're doing and see how all of our little tricks are done. Yeah, I think actually that's 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 sort of the the best argument because then even if you do it perfectly, and there's no mistakes and there's and there's no improv for whatever reason,、um, I mean having seen the show, watching you two was was a big part of it for me.、Mm-hmm. Uh, I, as you say, like seeing that is like you don't have you don't have to go. How did they do that? You're looking at the screen. You can actually look down and see how you're doing it, which is which is something I really appreciated. When I was when I was watching that show, because I, I I'm the kind of guy who I go to see a show, I spend some of the time like looking up into the、uh, into the grid to figure out,、um, oh, how are they doing that lighting effect? Or、oh, yeah, yeah, me too. Or <laughs> me how too. they how are they lighting this thing? It's like was that it? Was that were they using it? Was they were they were they not using a spot to do that? How did they? Yeah, <laughs> that kind of thing. Or like where the, what speaker placement? I'm interested in speaker placement. Where do they put the speakers?、Mm. Um, so it's it.、Yeah. It's actually really interesting to to be able to watch that. Good answer. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Appealing answers. Um, speaking of starting a company, uh, you've you perform primarily English, Japanese. What's 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 the language? How's the language work for you in the company?、Mm. How do you work with how do you work with language in the company? Well, Sari is is fluent in both. Uh, English and Japanese, and I'm not really fluent in either. So, it's, <laughs> but we work things out. In、Rats、Canada, we do、uh, we do show we do shows using both Japanese and English.、Yeah. Um, people seem to appreciate to listen to Japanese actually. Yeah, we have a show called Oni and a show called Hito Dama, and they're both shows for adults. And Sari talks in Japanese, and I talk in English, and it's not really a translation. We're not saying the same thing. It's a back and forth, but the audience 
can usually figure out what is happening in the story just from hearing one end. Well, the context is clear. Yeah, the context is clear based on what each person is saying because you have clear reactions, I assume. Yes. Well, not necessarily perfectly clear, but enough to suggest. Yes, mm. that's right. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of a lot of my shows use the same. I don't want to call it a trick. Use the same method of having oh. just like yeah, partial. Generally, if like a character is Japanese and they speak in Japanese, if that's if that's the context, um, and yeah, that's one of the, what's one of the methods to use is you have two characters who can mutually understand each other, even if the audience can only understand one of them. Um. We did a, we did one show where it was or five of us and four. I was the only English speaker. So, but everyone else just spoke Japanese and I, I was like supposedly understanding everything. So I think it's, yeah, I think it's a, it's, I think if you have confidence in an audience, it'll, it'll pay off. Audiences are smarter than we, than usually people give them credit, credit. And audiences, I think really appreciate it when you acknowledge that, when you don't treat the audience like they're stupid, like you actually give them some credit. They, I think they enjoy the show more. Yeah, Absolutely. We actually had a, uh, I did a, this is not theater, this is uh, radio stuff. Uh, I did a bilingual show where I spoke English and another guy spoke Japanese. Oh. Um, I'm relatively fluent in Japanese, so that's not really, wasn't an issue for us, but obviously the audience, the end result is whether or not the audience picks up on it. It was a lot of fun. Mm. Uh, yeah, I actually really enjoyed that. And I've seen it happen in different groups outside of radio and theater. And uh, I think it could be done a lot more than it currently is now. I think a lot of folks worry a little bit too much about the language, possibly. Uh, and, tr- and don't try to give the audience the leeway to interpret and creatively understand, even if the meaning isn't entirely 100% clear. Yeah, you'll sometimes get, like, um, from, from my experience, you'll sometimes get uh, older, sometimes a couple, so I've had a couple older people, older Japanese people complain because they couldn't understand 100% of what was happening. You get people who are, you get people who, um, and I think this would happen if I was doing it in Canada, I'm, I probably get like a section of my audience that felt the same way that feel if they can't understand a hundred percent that they're like missing out on something. Right. Rather mm-hmm. than, rather than, rather than they think of like, Oh, my comprehension of the dialogue in the show is the measurement of how much I can enjoy this as opposed to the whole, taking the whole experience as an experience, mm-hmm. which is what I think which is what I think you need to do as an audience member. It's you gauge the thing on the whole experience. I mean, I've seen shows completely in languages I don't understand and enjoyed enjoyed the experience of it. Um, so I think that's, yeah. So you always, I, I think at some point you show it to enough people, you'll get somebody complaining, but don't let that stop you. So if you're both, you're both very upbeat people, I think. Uh, I was sort of just gauging your personalities for the first meeting for the first time. Seti, What's yeah. it like to work with? What's it like to live with the person that you work with? Um, what do I fear? Yeah, how? What's it like to work with Daniel? What's Daniel like to work with? Um, uh, you're getting you're getting the same question in a second, Daniel. So, so be ready. Uh, he's um, he's very logical and he has lots of knowledge, and uh, he has a film background, so. Sometimes he says uh, something from those like film point of view, and which is very helpful, especially for shadow puppetry because shadow puppetry is similar to animation of film. Uh, uh, also, he has a very childlike um, attitude sometimes, and that sometimes helpful too. But sometimes that uh, 
And also, I'm very emotional, so we we sometimes start arguing over something stupid. Yeah. Like, I think your actual question was, what is it like living with the person you're working with? Oh, yeah, sorry. And I the answer is, point. yeah, you, you end up having some big fights sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Working as a couple together, couples working together is is, is, is a massive challenge, yeah. I think. I, what's, what's, how do you get past that? How do you get past that, that, that difficulty? And what are the challenges, of course? Well, we have, a, like, a couple rules. Like, one rule is don't work after midnight. Don't because even talk because as soon as you start working after midnight, that's when like the real fighting always seems to start. Yeah, you you have a, you have data points, and you're like fights. This fight started at one a.m. I mean, you can you can you can work past midnight, but you can't you shouldn't make like serious creative decisions after midnight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and who manages? So so how do you how do you resolve when you have sort of creative difference of opinion about how to how to make something happen? What do you how do you resolve that? I think we just keep trying to come up with new ideas until finally we can come up with one that we both agree on. Yeah, sometimes we, uh, after one night, after having a sleep, we change our mind and we get closer. Yeah. Sometimes it, it's, you know, like, sometimes it's a bit like, oh, Sari really wants something green. I really want something blue, just as like a dumb example. And then we have a fight over it. And the next morning we wake up and I'm like, oh, you're right. It should be your color. And she's like, oh, no, actually, I thought it was your color. And then it's like we have the same argument, but it, our positions are and reversed. And it's even worse because in Japan, sometimes green is blue and blue is green. So, <laughs> yeah, that is a matter of fact true for the audiences that don't speak Japanese. Owl also means green. Somewhat. It means a certain a certain degree of shades of green uh, as well as meaning blue. Uh, so you you don't just flip a coin sometimes? No, we we usually uh, err on the side of overthinking everything. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So what we got better though? Yeah, we uh, like two years ago we had like huge fights like three times or four times. We're getting, we're getting, them, we're so. getting much better at managing our fights yeah. than we used to be. So you guys yeah. are, you guys are heading out on tour this summer, right? Yes. So okay, well, what are your, what are your tour on the off chance that somebody's listening in the cities you're going to, uh, can you give me a rundown of when you're gone, which sure. festivals you're hitting? We're doing kind of a shorter tour this year than usual. We usually do seven or eight cities, but this year we've kind of uh, cut it back a bit. So we're doing uh, a brand new show called Space Hippo at the Winnipeg Fringe Festival. And then we're going to Edmonton uh, to do Hitodama. Uh, last year in Edmonton, we did our show Oni, which was a sexy, erotic comedy based off of Japanese folktales. And Hitodama is kind of the sequel. It's based off of scary Japanese ghost stories. And Oni was a big hit in Edmonton last year, so we're hoping that people who saw Oni last year will enjoy watching Hitodam in Edmonton. And then we're going on to Victoria and after that Vancouver to do Space Hippo in both of those cities. And so obviously show dates and times aren't set this early for fringe festivals, but if you're in any of those cities, uh, when the fringe festival comes along, certainly check it out. Please do. There won't be, there won't be a lot of puppet shows, so you'll probably be able to find them reasonably easily. So you mentioned, you mentioned your hit show Oni. Can you tell us a little bit more about that one? Because that that was your big hit in Edmonton. Edmonton's for anyone who doesn't know, Edmonton is like Edmonton and Winnipeg are really the the big 
fringes in Canada. Maybe Toronto too, but I mean Edmonton's the old one. Mm. Yeah, yeah, Edmonton is is the biggest one in Canada, and I think it might be the second or third biggest fringe in the world. Yeah, well, I think you have to be careful about the biggest one in Canada because it depends on how you measure, right? It's like number of shows, number of venues, uh, number of there's something else like the amount of money or something like that, and and Toronto, Winnipeg, and Edmonton all fight for that title using mm. different different metrics. So yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, like, based on which metric, which one's the biggest right now. But yeah, I mean, Edmonton is definitely the old, uh, was it the, the grand, the grand, the grandmother of Canadian. It's the oldest one, definitely. And it's the, mm. the, the grandmother of Canadian fringe festivals. Right. Yeah. It's always debatable about which one is the biggest, mm. I guess. Edmonton is pretty big though. Uh, as some people have pointed out though, Edmonton is more well-known for its buskers, while Winnipeg is is more of an indoor show kind of city. They have right. buskers there as well, but there's not as much busking as in Edmonton. In Edmonton, there's tons of busking. Yeah, that, that's true. That's, um, yeah, of busking. But Oni is a show that's uh, done in both Japanese and English. It's based off of Japanese folk tales. Mainly, it's our own version of the the Isinboshi story, where we make Isinboshi a tiny little guy. He's a three centimeter tall samurai who goes on many adventures. It's a really famous Japanese folktale. But we decided that the way he gets by, because he's so small, he can't really actually fight or do anything. He just tells stories where in this, his own stories about himself, he makes himself a huge giant guy who goes around and has sex with lots of women. And he tells people these stories and people love his stories. And he, he, gets everything just based on these stories he makes a princess fall in love with him by telling her sexy stories and it's like a really goofy comedy and yeah. people like it it's all <laughs> done with shadow puppetry we sit in front of the screen and we have our little flashlight and we project our little paper cutout images and it gets really dirty we have a bunch of shunga in it which we warn people before we show any of the shunga by saying shunga alerto Shunga yeah. And then we then we throw up some really nasty, dirty, sexy shunga on the screen. <laughs> and fortunately, we got five stars from Edmonton Sun, and that grabbed many many audiences to come to see the show, and that became a um, hit. Yeah, yeah. And it was kind of like an underground favorite in other fringe uh, towns. A lot of people talked about it. We got nominated for some. Yeah. Awards, but it wasn't until we got to Edmonton that it really took off after we got that five star review because people care about that. Yeah, Edmonton's yeah. a big review town. Yeah. The reviews yeah, are super important. And getting big. five stars is huge. So yeah. congratulations on that, by the way. That's like that's amazing. And and we were also really lucky in Edmonton last year that we got we were lucky enough somehow to get venue one which is the biggest, one of the biggest venues in wow. Edmonton. It's like a 300 and something seat theater. And it's a really nice theater, uh, uh, really amazing technicians working there. Like they have everything. So that, that helped us a lot too, yeah, making yeah. the show just awesome. Uh, so the, the only pieces right now though are in Canada, right? Yes. Yes. Right. But you're going to be bringing them back to Japan with you, right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe if there's some demand for it. The thing we're, we're worried about is we, we don't think necessarily that Japanese audiences will find it as funny as Canadian audiences. The jokes are very kind of uh, 
English? English-centric, I suppose. There is yeah. a large enough foreign community to to support to support that here. To support like mm. a, if you did a if you did like a three like a three day run or something like that in Tokyo. Mm. I th- yeah, we'd love to do only here. Yeah, if we could get enough like uh, foreigners, uh, English-speaking foreigners, to come watch it, I'm sure they would enjoy it. Yeah, like in a bar or something, we wanna them to drink and watch the show. <laughs> We always prefer that there's alcohol being sold at any of our performances. That yeah. can be arranged. Um, I know a venue. Uh, so oh. I know a couple of venues. So definitely, definitely bring that suitcase back with you. Okay. okay. Um, I want to make, make Oni happen here. Oh, for, primarily because okay. I want to see it. But I, I, <laughs> <laughs> but I, think, I, think, it's, um, I, I think it's definitely... I think it's definitely a, a sellable show here. Cool. Would um, be nice. Yeah. Oni is a fun show to do. Like we really enjoy yeah, performing yeah. that one. We like performing that. Excellent. Uh, I was just watching some of these videos actually now because I didn't do my due diligence and didn't watch these ahead of time. Um, I'm watching a few of these shadow puppetry shows and I didn't realize exactly how much you can do with a close light source. And we're doing this via audio right now. This, this is a podcast. It's all just sound. Um, but to paint a picture, one image is one image from this uh, from one of Moshinosha's videos is a single sort of fearful human esque creature being threatened by a ostensibly female, very large, but also moving back and forth toward and away from the light source, which makes it much larger and smaller. The perspective changes drastically very quickly. Do you often take advantage of that in your shadow puppetry? Yeah, uh, depending on the show. But we, we like to work with perspective a lot, and we do like to take advantage of being able to make things bigger and smaller. We used it a lot in Oni, of course, because we're telling the story of Asen Boshi, and of course there's some like magic hammer and getting bigger and smaller and things like that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's some shadow puppetry can't really do that it really depends on your light source uh some shadow puppetry they just do it behind a screen and you have to have the puppets pressed right up against us but we've been able to find clear enough light sources that we really like to take advantage of like perspective and changing the sizes of things also sometimes we you know perform ourselves we put our our own bodies uh, in front of light there's one scene in oni hopefully not giving too much away where sari actually is in the scene and she's standing up and interacting with one of the shadow puppets which is a giant octopus so and mm. the giant octopus is giant compared to her but she's you know she's being herself like a human being so we can do cool stuff like that uh did, sort of avoiding the obvious uh tentacle joke uh we didn't uh, <laughs> <laughs> i know that's 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 why my brain is, is stopped for the moment and just on tentacles but um it's an incredible tool. If you have the control over the lights, this is an incredible tool, perspective-wise. How often do you have that kind of control over the light source? I mean, are you are you bringing your own light sources to the theater? What's what's your usual level of control when you do shows? Well, we we have total control. We we've spent much time uh, researching and trying out different light sources. We're always looking for new light sources, but we're constantly trying to find the best. So. We're con- always convinced that the ones we have are the best we have. We bring our own screen. We bring our own light source. We 
make little stands and different gadgets and we invent little things for doing different types of shadow puppetry. And we're always trying to come up with new innovations and new ways to show things. We've, we've experimented a lot with three-dimensional shadow puppets, different types of mechanics, uh, and also like different kinds of lights. We've, we've tried using like LEDs and glow in the dark puppets. We're always trying to make something new and create the best visual experience for the audience that we can. I have no follow up on that. <laughs> Andrew, you got anything on that? Uh, really, the light, the light is the most fascinating thing to me. Um, my only real connection to this technically is, is use of light as, 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 as a photographer. Mm. Um, the use of the clever use of lighted perspective is, is to me fascinating. I feel like one of the biggest selling points you have to that. Um, let me actually follow up with the question about sound. You've said earlier in the interview that you're not really actors, but your hands are actors and your voices have to be actors. So aren't you actors? <laughs> Well, this is where this is where the the mystical aspect of our company <laughs> comes into remember, play. Remembering that there is a the mystical word is actually in the title of your puppet company. Yes, we kind of feel that when we use puppets, like if we were just on stage being us, being actors doing a show, I don't think we'd be very good. But there's something about doing puppetry when you're acting through the puppet. It's almost like the puppet is kind of using you as a vessel. It's like it's like the spirit of that character is like kind of going through you into that puppet and and making it real. So as far as acting goes, like we can make we can get a puppet to act pretty well. Yeah, that's I think why we much better, much better than we could act if we were just being ourselves. And there is like kind of a mystical nature to it. It really does feel like there's an outside force sort of coming into you and bringing these inanimate objects to life. And that's what we're doing. We're taking objects that don't move, just things made out of paper or cardboard or paper mache or cloth and wood, and we're giving it a soul and making it come alive. Mm. And that's all that to a shrink. Don't sell that to a shrink. You'll get you'll get an MPD di diagnosis like that. Oh, okay. I'm kidding, of course. Yeah, yeah. Andrew, follow up. Um, yeah. So I just I should have said this when you're talking about the video you just saw. We can can we link the video on the show notes? Yes, of course. Because that would be nice if people could actually see. I can, I can, I can embed it in the page. This is really funny because we're we're talking about like uh, puppetry and especially shadow puppetry and the way you guys do it. It's so intensely visual. It's weird to be talking about it sort of audio only, because um, it's you can't you can't capture that experience with words really. Uh, well, I guess that's kind of true for any type of theater, though. Well, some some more than others, you can like you know someone's doing your standard straight play. If you wanted to, you could go to the rehearsal, record a clip of that, and play it back. So people, because a lot of I, I mean, Shakespeare originally was was very, I mean, operatic in the sense that a lot of people couldn't see the stage very well from wherever they mm -hmm. were, wherever they were, and so they mm -hmm. would they they'd be listening, and and the the ideas that the the soliloquies were like arias. So I mean a lot, and that's in English, right? We call the audience like audience like audio uh, yeah. audience right whereas in oh. in in france they call them what was it um in french what is it it's the i was gonna say spectateur which is spec you know spec look visual but also uh, then some brands of theater use uh the public which is just the public but mm -hmm. uh and in japanese we just say kyakusan uh まあ、それ視聴って視聴って見るんですよね。見ると聞く。
Yofo d e s So, so, so. So, Japanese、um, is she and cho is、uh, to see and listen. Sha is, means person or entity. Yeah.、Um, so, yeah, in Japanese, the word is, is both to see and to listen. Very sensible. Yes. Yes. Well done, logical Japan. Yeah. I mean, and, and traditionally,、Call. you know, the visual element of the play was, was secondary to the, to the writing. I mean, if you look at sort of traditionals like Arthur Miller,、um, even, even,、uh, even say、uh, Tennessee Williams, where you've got like in this, a brilliant director, was his name Kazan. Was, this, was it Kazan? I'm probably screwing that up and sounding like a total idiot.、Um, my theater history professor is rolling in his grave.、Uh, But you, you, know, you had these beautiful sets and stuff, but that was, that was secondary to the performance. You could do the same show with like some black boxes, right? Just put some black boxes on the stage. But what you guys do is, I mean, the visual element is, is really key.、Mm, yeah.、Um, not saying that the audio element isn't or anything like that, but I mean, shadow puppetry, especially, I would think the visual element is really, really key.、Um, yeah. I mean, for puppetry in general, you can't. You could listen to a Shakespeare play and actually know what was going on. That's one of the reasons why they say things like, oh, I die, right? So people could <laughs>、right. know what was happening. It wasn't just something that Elizabethans, when they died, they said、oh. that they died. It was because people couldn't necessarily see it.、Um, but yeah, puppetry, you, you definitely have to be able to see it to know what's going on, I think. <laughs> I have suffered a minor flesh wound, ground. <laughs> Uh, so, just throwing out a couple of random y random things.、Uh, what, do you, what is the best puppet show that you've ever seen? And we'll exclude yours for the sake of conversation so it doesn't sound like you're putting your own shows down.、Mm. Well, I guess we, we both have different answers for that because、yeah. we talk about that a lot. Please, by all means. Do you want to go first? Should I go first? You go first. The, the best、uh, puppet show that I ever saw.、Uh, And、it was just when I was, it was when I went to London and I was、uh, studying in the UK.、Uh, I saw a show called The Devil and Mr. Punch by a company called Improbable Puppetry. And it was amazing. Have you seen it? Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no, but, no, but it sounds amazing. Devil, is, is it like beyond the regular punch story? Because part of like, the whole punch show, right? Part of it's he, he dies, he goes to hell, and then he beats the shit out of the devil. Yeah, well,、uh, in puppetry, there's, there's a style or type of show, Punch and Judy. And Punch and Judy is a show that's been, it's, it's like, I guess it's, it'd be weird to call it the Shakespeare of puppetry、it、because it's is, not、though. Shakespeare at all. But it's, it's been around、uh, the first documented show that is written, recording is 400 years ago. They just had the 400th anniversary of Punch like a couple of years ago. But there's most likely people were doing Punch and Judy all before that. And it's all sort of done in the same way. You have a little booth with one person in it. That guy or woman is called the professor and they do a little show. And the story is always a bit similar. There's a guy named、uh, Mr. Punch who's kind of a bastard. He talks in a high pitched voice like, that's the way to do it. And the story always is he's with his wife. He beats his wife. She says, Take care of the baby. He throws the baby out the window and kills it. Then the police come after him, arrest him.、Uh, he gets, he's sentenced to death. He has to get hung, but he convinces, he tricks the, the gallower into hanging himself. And then he escapes. He dies. He goes to hell. He meets the devil. And then he kills the devil and turns the devil into sausages. And that's <laughs> generally the, the plot of Punch and Judy. 
this is I'm getting into kind of like nerd territory, but traditionally a Punch and Judy professor uses a small device, like a little reed pipe that they put in their throat to make that voice. It's called a a swazzle. So you can Google swazzle and order your own off the internet and you can talk in like a crazy Mr. Punch voice. But it, favors. it'd be good for the podcast. I think it might right. work. So let him finish. Let him finish the story about the best one, the best puppet show he's he's ever seen, which was go on about that. So this show was uh, not a traditional version of Punch and Judy. This was a show about two Punch and Judy professors who died and went to hell. And the story was told through all different types of puppetry, including Punch and Judy puppets. Um, and their set was like a big giant cabinet with all these different frames. And they had like scenes where I, I can't even describe the story because it was just so crazy and over the top. But the, just the visuals are amazing. There was a scene where a woman uh, who played violin in a matador's outfit fought against uh, a giant guy in a bull helmet with the moving mouth. And he sang to her and she fought him as he sang to her because the bull was in love with her. There was scenes with like knights fighting each other. It got really emotional. I cried at the end it, and it was totally for adults and i just thought wow this is how you do a puppet show for adults i i can't really put it into words and i think for me that's a sign of a good show when when a show is just like so crazy you can't even describe it that's maybe that's not everybody's cup of tea but that's uh, that's what i'm into <laughs> i guarantee you there are plenty of folks who will be into that as well if you just google the devil and mr punch you'll find some pictures of the puppets and they just looked amazing they took punch is already kind of a creepy character and they just revved it up and made him as creepy as possible. There's scenes where he's like a little hand puppet and he's kind of cute. And then there's scenes where he comes out and he's like a full size man carrying like uh, punch always has this stick. That's kind of like a slapstick. And he like just hits people just like beats them with it. It's where the term slapstick came from was actually from punch. Mm -hmm. And he comes out with a full sized like stick and he's like a giant and he's like attacking people. And it's it's terrifying. But. Also I'm funny at the at, same time. I am looking at that right now. This is nearly grotesque at times. Mm. Oh, that looks awesome. Cool. That is pretty fantastic. It's it's a good show. I don't know if they still do it or if they're going to do it, but if if they ever do any remount of that show, it's it's so good. It's worth What's it's worth the plane ticket, you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty significant. Um this sorry, so to be to clarify, this is a show that's ran is still running what's what's when where what why how oh my god who can i give money to to make this happen yeah i i think they do it on and off the the company does other shows i think this show is actually one of their less financially successful ones so they don't do it as often but it's um it's so good fascinating so let's let's go over to Seti. Seti, what's 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 your what, what what compels you the power of what compels you it's an American referential humor thing to the movie The Exorcist. If I could make my head spin around uh, degrees, I would. Okay. We need a puppet so, for that. We do. We do need a puppet. It would be really helpful. Anyway, what is what was your favorite show that you've seen so far, puppet, puppetry-wise? Yeah, uh, my favorite show was the one I saw in London called The Table uh, by company called Blind Summit Theatre in the UK. And that was actually the first puppet show I I saw except 
kids shows in Japan. Uh, I went to the UK to study theater and there I saw that puppet show and I was so shocked and that their style to totally uh, broke my typical vision. Understanding, understanding of puppetry. I hear, I hear you saying kankaku in your head. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, sorry. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, yeah. Please continue. So what, what, what about the show? Tell me more about the show. That's the show how that, how that, that sort of shattered your show mindset. show consists of three short pieces, actually, and they all use different uh, puppetry style. The first one is um, only one puppet, which is made out of cardboard and... Uh, operated by three guys, which is a uh, Japanese bunraku style. Do you know bunraku? Yeah. Okay. Say, Andrew, if anyone. <laughs> really? Oh, okay. Because this is the when you said like no adult puppetry in Japan, John. I was like bunraku. Uh, right. So it's like bunraku the, is, it's yeah. like basically puppet kabuki. I think is the. Yeah. It's not completely accurate, but that's a good way of describing it. Where you have the the people and they're on stage and they're, they're usually on stage. Right? I don't think I've actually seen bunraku. I've seen Bunraku plays that have been adapted to Kabuki, which happens a lot. Oh. Um, and so they've got like these black outfits on and they're operating puppets on the stage. And it's usually, I mean, very similar stories to Kabuki. And, yeah, yeah, and they yeah. crib from each other. Like the Bunraku will, will take like a Kabuki story and make it into a puppet show. And Kabuki Kabuki companies will take a Bunraku play and make it into like a a proper regular live live human being Kabuki show. They just, it, they're very similar. Yeah, that's right. Bunraku is also an extremely popular uh, style of puppetry in the West right now. It's kind of like a fad for puppetry for people to sort of make uh, in the West to make sort of these fake, like sort of bad versions of Bunraku shows, and and they're like really successful and uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bunraku, the actual Japanese Bunraku is really sophisticated and beautiful and um, because they do it for like years and years to it it takes three people to operate one puppet there's one person operating the legs uh, one person operating the back and one arm and the other person operating the head and the other arm and there's a hierarchy where they study for years where you study start at the feet and you work your way up to the head and they all have to wear masks, except the person wearing the head doesn't need to wear a mask because yeah. that's the highest honor. And it takes like many, many years to get to the head, like your whole life of training doing Bunraku. Yeah. yeah, yeah. As opposed to some of the shows in the West where it's just some people who like screwed around in their dad's <laughs> basement for like a week and then did a show. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, for that show, those three guys were, were really good and I couldn't have like that think that puppet was actually alive because the movement was so natural and um sometimes it looked like puppet took over those three guys and like actually manipulating those puppeteers and i was like i was so surprised and other other pieces use a different uh, puppetry method and also object theater uh, object theater is like it's not actual puppet puppet, but use some uh, different. Can you explain them? Yeah, object theater is is when you use objects that aren't necessarily puppets, but you can still bring them to life. Like one example is I saw a show once 
where someone had a table filled with sand with rocks and they made the rocks characters and had them move around. That's object theater. It can be any objects, I guess, as long as you bring them to life to tell a story or to do some kind of show. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's simple, but it leaves the audience more imagination. So, um, the show was very imaginative and that was kind of show I really want to make. So that was perfect to me. And that actually, that show made me decide to become a puppeteer. Wow. Really? Was it, so it was it, did you then come back to Japan and then go back to the UK for school or is that you were in the UK and that's when you made the decision? Uh, I was in the UK when I made the decision and then I decided to take a short course of a puppet school. That's the one I met down there. It was, she had one month left that she was allowed to be in the UK on her, on her temporary visa i guess and she used that last month in the uk to go to the puppet school yeah wow this is very fascinating looking at images of both the table and uh the devil and mr punchy man person um these are very very disparate shows the devil the the devil and mr punch is, is very is almost grotesque as i said meanwhile the table is so angular and sort of purist it seems almost um yeah. Do you two do you two have such different tastes in puppetry in general? Uh, I don't know. Like I haven't seen the table. I might appreciate it just as much. Yeah, I and seen. and Sari hasn't seen the Devil and Mr. Punch, but I think we we appreciate many different styles and forms of puppetry. We just like things that are good, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's generally my criteria as well. Yeah. I like good things. Good things are good. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I believe so. That is that is an axiom, I believe. Okay. But the, um, the beauty of, of puppetry is you can make it like really beautiful and elegant, or you can make it gross and disgusting and grotesque, or you can make it very minimalist and simple. Like you could have a show that's just some boxes, or you could make it as complicated as you want. There's yeah, there's sky's the limit, I guess. Mm. Uh, so unless there's anything else you guys want to make sure we get on the air. Promotional stuff, your next show that you're planning in Japan, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, we should. Oh, we're doing Space Hippo in Japan in uh, October. Hmm. And we're also currently accepting bookings for our school show. So if anybody's listening who's in charge of a library or a school who would like to hire us kind. to do our school show, we have uh, a trailer up on our website and a bunch of information on how to book us for a school show. Daniel, Sari, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, I th we're going to post a lot of the I'm stuff. Sorry, we what, talk what's that? What, oh, what, what's is, your, is your microphone still on? No, my microphone's still Hello? on. I'm just, Hello? I'm just getting Hello? the sounds of children crying for some reason. What are what? you? That's, I don't. Oh, what's going on? Oh, sh as, oh, Andrew, I'm, I'm are you really guys okay? Into, What's like, going on over there? I'm really, I'm getting unhappy with the naming of this damn podcast. D yeah, no, uh, look, I, okay, look, I, you know what? I just, uh, oh, 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 yeah. oh, uh, yeah, yeah, here yeah, comes, yeah, oh, crap, yeah. no, here we go again. Ah! Ah! Oh, God. Sari, look, he's using them like puppets. Oh, he's got, oh, he's got his claws right up in there. Oh, oh he's eyeball. Well, how do we record this? This might be useful for something. You gotta help this is good them. reference material. Help them. How are we gonna help them? They died. 
Ugh. Oh well, there that big guy goes. Should we... Should we tell somebody about this? Yes. I mean, the footage is on their hard drive. I don't want to be, like, involved in the investigation. Ah, oh, well, uh, that's going to be something I see when I close my eyes from now on. How about you? Uh, well, anyway, this show is produced by the mangled pile of bones and flesh that was formerly John Matthews and Andrew Woolner in association with the Yokohama Theatre Group. Special thanks to us, Daniel Wishes and Sariani. Yeah, uh -huh. Cool, high five. And the puppeteers who bring a unique flavor to performing arts in Japan, Canada, and all freedom-loving nations. Thanks again to Nyota Kasuya. I'm not good at Japanese names. Naoto Maybe you should Katsuya read that part. For his ongoing work on the show Vichart. If you'd like to support YTG, the people behind this podcast, please head over to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash ytg and become a patron i guess we should call an ambulance or a mortician or yeah. something or just a cleanup crew i guess yeah. at this point yeah. Ugh. let's play sailing ships i'm like oh i was out till two o'clock last night give me a break beckett come on